So I'm going to ask that you take your Bibles out, and of course we're going to be looking at a number of different scripture passages, but we're going to focus in on the Gospel of Luke as we look at the, the scriptures this morning. Fleming Rutledge, in her Advent book, writes about how Advent isn't just a season in the church calendar, it's the timber of our spiritual life. So it's the, the, we could say the foundation, it's the core building pieces of our spiritual life. And so she says the following, she says, in a very real sense, the Christian community lives in Advent all the time. Did you think of that in that way? Have you thought of Advent in that way? I hope through the Advent readings you're coming to that conclusion. So in a very real sense, the Christian community lives in Advent all the time. It can well be called the time between because the people of God live in the time between the first coming of Christ incognito in the stable in Bethlehem and his second coming in glory to judge the living and the dead in the time in between our lives are hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. So we're living in this in-between life. Continues, Advent contains within itself the crucial balance of the now and the not yet that our faith requires. The disappointment, brokenness, suffering, and pain that characterize the life in this present world is held in dynamic tension with the promise of future glory that is yet to come. In that Advent tension, the church lives its life. So that's where we live. We are the church, and we're living in that tension between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. The, the promises are being fulfilled and will be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ. Our Advent or Christmas theme is a Christmas heart, and this Sunday is the third Advent. And uh, we had the pink candle lit by the DeWert family this morning, and we're thankful for that. Today, as we look at the scriptures, as we go through this, we realize that a Christmas heart, and this is what you'll realize as we move through the message this morning, a Christmas heart brings joy. When we think of joy, and of course this is the Christmas season, when we think of joy, I have to say it's not a person dressed up in red with reindeer. Okay? Because sometimes we think that that is what joy is. No, that's not joy. You know, just because he shouts, ho, 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 it's, yeah, it's, but it's not the joy that scriptures are talking about. Joy is not a Christmas tree loaded with presents. Oh, these things can bring joy. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. They can bring joy, and they will bring joy to all of us. You know, already as we're getting ready for Christmas, we're, we're embracing some of the secular with, with some of the, of the Christ trimmings, I'll say. And we're bringing them together because we love this time of year. But joy is more than outward emotions. Joy can be 
in everyone, it can be in everyone, a condition of the inner heart. Joy can be that condition of the inner heart when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So when we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and we could say in a way that joy already resides within us. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, and it's singular, is found in Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23. Joy is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But, like all the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we need to choose to live the fruit. Just like we need to choose to love someone. That's a choice we make. We need to choose to allow peace to dwell in our life and in our relationships. We need to choose to be patient with someone. We need to choose to show kindness to someone, to do good to others, to act in faithfulness, to be identified as gentle and living in, you know, in gentle and, and living in, in relationships that are under self-control. We choose these things. Yes, the Holy Spirit resides in us, but it just doesn't somehow happen against our will. No, it requires our will. We choose to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We choose to allow the fruit to manifest itself. And we consciously should be thinking of this every day, every moment when we make a decision. I can choose to get upset, or I can choose to love and live in peace. I make those choices. Henry Nguyen says the following. Can we go back one side? Henry Nguyen says the following. Joy does not simply happen. Can we go back one side? Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. So how can we do that in a world where things go sideways? And it seems that joy is being robbed. And I hear that a lot from people. Many people feel that their world, their life, everything is going sideways. Probably more today than in years past. We don't understand it. What's happening to our world, people say. It's not the way it used to be. <laughs> That's so true. It's not the way it used to be. The main source of our joy is our connection and our proximity to God. Because joy is the fruit of the Spirit, is part of the fruit of the Spirit, it only makes sense that the closer we are to God, the greater the joy will be within our hearts. So joy is linked to our connection 
to God and our proximity to God. We're connected to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our proximity is how close we want to walk with God. God is the source of joy. God is joyful. And many times people just don't think of God that way. They think of God in a completely different way. But no, God is joyful. He's the source of joy. He's the source of love. He's the source of peace. But joy, not how we maybe sometimes think joy should be. We have our own issues when it comes to joy because we often think of joy or the word joyful. What we think of when we say those words is is laughter. Even that area of being hilarious, of a person not having a care in the world, a joyful person smiles a lot. They see the sunny side of life. And we could say that list goes on. And I would say, yes, these are, again, the outward emotions of joy. These are the, the expressions. But they're not necessarily connected to a deep inner joy. Many times these emotions are connected to what's happening at the surface. And that's why people feel that they are being robbed of their joy. Because the things at the surface, well, they're just not that great. The joy that is presented to us in Scripture does manifest itself in times in a very, in, a, in, in, in the way that I just described, but it manifests itself in a very different way. It can manifest itself in the hardest of circumstances. It gives us, we could say in many ways, hope. It allows us to move on. It encourages us. The joy from God is so different because it's not linked to circumstances. That's the joy that's presented to us in Scripture. It's linked to God. And God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. And God's promises will all be fulfilled. And as a church today, we're living between his first coming and second coming. So in the scriptures, joy is presented to us in the toughest times, in the worst times, we find joy. And so that's an example for us to understand and to desire joy. So what do I mean by this? Well, I'm reminded of Mary and Joseph. A young, godly, and I'll use that word because when you are in Luke chapter 2 and you're reading, and you can look at Matthew 2, there's clues given to us of the narrative, of the birth narrative. I'm reminded of Mary and Joseph, a young, godly, very devout couple that are engaged. They're looking forward to getting married and living life with a future hope of togetherness. Just think of many young couples that you know that are planning a wedding, that are looking forward to getting married. And what do you see in their life? Joy. 
and it's connected to the wedding and to everything there. I think there was a, a lot of joy in this couple. And I think in the family, in the parents. But new circumstances would change all of that. It would change those expressions of joy. But it didn't change the joy that was at the heart of Mary and Joseph. God had a plan for Mary and Joseph. And that plan was different than the plan they were working on. The plan that God had for Mary and Joseph goes back many years. In fact, it goes back to the very beginning, to the Garden of Eden. That's where the first hints of God's plan are placed there for us. And then through the years, it's prophesied again. It's added to, it's repeated again, it's foretold. People pick it up. And they declare it. People hope because in that plan of God there is hope. There is joy. And then God declares that plan to Mary and Joseph. And sets it into play. Circumstances change for Mary and Joseph. But we'll see that the joy is still in their lives. And so I want to encourage you in this because for you today, I don't know where you're at, but let me tell you this, a Christmas heart brings joy. Mary and Joseph's joy was not connected to circumstances, but to God, the giver of life, and the one who is in catch this, the one who is in control of all circumstances. You see, we might think our world is going sideways, but God is in control. The key to this joy in Joseph and Mary's heart, again, is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 28 and 30, Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 and 24. We see the hints of it. Circumstances can change the outward expressions of joy. But the joy that is connected to Jesus stays intact. So God sends an angel to Mary and tells her that she will get pregnant and that the child she will give birth to will be the promised Messiah. Let that sink in for a moment. But the child we know, well, the father is not Joseph. So what happens? Joseph gets wind of the fact that Mary, his fiancée, is with child. And that child is not his. He's sure of it. Because they haven't had sexual relations. How do you think this is going to go? Not good, right? What does Joseph want to do? What would you want to do if you were in Joseph's shoes? 
An angel appears to Joseph and tells him that this child is from God and that Mary has been faithful to him and that this child is the promised Messiah. And then that he needs to step up to the plate. And that Mary eventually will become his wife and he becomes a stepfather. That's quite some news, isn't it? If you were in his shoes, what would you say? Um, I'm out of here? What would you say? The family encounters at this moment change from joy to shame to guilt to gossip at the market. I stare, stories are told. That's what happens. I think many of us are familiar of it in reference to this. We, similar things, we know what happens. These are really tough circumstances to find yourself in. From a natural perspective, we would say things have gone sideways for Mary and Joseph and their families. You can think of even the conversations at home. Mom and dad and in-laws, outlaws, whatever, they're all talking with each other. Well, should we go ahead with the wedding or shouldn't we? The wedding dress is going to have to be not taken in because of weight loss. We're going to have to go the other way. We'll have to find more material. Maybe Omar, the tent maker down the road, we could talk to him. You know? Just think of what's going on. Can you imagine being Mary or Joseph trying to explain to your mom and dad what happened? No, no, we didn't have sex. No, we didn't. We never were alone together. It's a miracle. <laughs> you can see the smirks on mom and dad's face. Sure, yeah. And then, well, it's God's son. What a downer. What a joy robber. Scriptures tell us in such simple ways, Mary leaves. She leaves. She goes to her cousin's place to get away. Makes sense, doesn't it? Luke chapter 1. Verse 39 to 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to, to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zacharias' Zacharias's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That baby in Elizabeth's womb is John the Baptist. John the Baptist who is going to be introducing Jesus later on. 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then Elizabeth says, Blessed or joyous is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Scripture gives us Mary's perspective in the midst of all of this. Mary's joy is still intact, let me tell you that. In the thick of all of it, Mary arrives there at Elizabeth's place. Elizabeth, through the Holy Spirit, greets her, confirms that she is carrying the Messiah. Circumstances can change. The outward expressions of joy, but the joy that's connected to Jesus, it stays intact. And so let's read Mary's response. Luke chapter 1, verses 45 to 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has set the rich, sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. We would say that this is a dark moment, but in that dark moment there is life because God is there in those moments. And when all the grounds for joy have been robbed away, taken away. Joy shouldn't exist, but joy is there. And that's the joy that God promises and gives. You see, Mary had joy. Not the joy that's linked to circumstances, to presence underneath a tree. Not to a guy in a red suit saying ho, ho, ho. But linked to God. The foundation or the root of Mary's joy was God. And God's plans are the very best for all, including her. You know, it's hard to rejoice, isn't it? It's hard to rejoice when those around you are excelling and you are not. I've heard that from people. When someone gets that promotion at work that you've been praying for, it's hard to rejoice. It's hard to rejoice when retirement comes, but doctors tell you you have cancer. 
It's hard to rejoice when you can't get a job, but yet everyone around you seems to be working and telling you about all these available jobs, and you keep firing out the resumes, and nothing happens. When Mary gives birth to Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they're not at home. Mom and dad aren't there. There's no midwife. They are with strangers in a stable. We could say almost like homeless people. All the comforts are gone. I can't imagine what they must have been thinking when they were told no room in the inn. There's a stable out back. Maybe you can curl up in a little bit of straw or something and spend the night. You're welcome to settle there. Luke 2, 6 to 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. How would you feel? Where would your joy be? When our joy is rooted in a person, but not just any person, when our joy is rooted in the one who created us, who created everything out of nothing. And we know because he told us. We know he loves us and he cares for us deeply in spite of the circumstances we might find ourselves in. we will find joy in our hearts, in our souls. He loves us. And he has a plan for us. He cares for us. You're not walking through those tough times by yourself. He has a future in mind for you. And that future is part of where our joy flows from. Because we know the hard times are going to end and we're going to be in the presence of God where there's no more crying, no more sorrow, where there's enough food for all, where there will be laughter continuously, God's plan is declared at the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Joy filled their lives because God, God fulfilled his promise. And all who heard her were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So let me ask you a question as we wrap this up. The Christmas that you're encountering this year, is it the Christmas that you planned? Are things shaping up the way you were planning? Or have the flus and colds taken some of the energies away from you? Plans have been downsized. Some of you have lost loved ones over this past year. Some of you are still grieving from previous losses. And the process of grief takes years. And those occasions like Christmas bring that, brings that grief to the surface. Some of you have received news in reference to your health that has you concerned and struggling. Some of you are just finding it hard to make financial ends meet. It seems like our dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. It feels like something has been robbed from you. I want to say whatever the situation may be for you. I want to encourage you by saying you're not alone. God has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He has a future plan in store for you. And what you're going through today, and I know you'd, you're going to say, no, pastor, I'm going to say it's small, it's small. In light of eternity, in light of what God has in store for you. Again, circumstances can change the outward expressions of joy, but joy that is connected to Jesus stays intact. And I want to tell you, you don't have to laugh or act like it's great. You don't have to pretend but you can have joy. You can have joy because of Jesus. And you can choose that. You can choose that. Because if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Joy resides in you. And there's no limit to God's joy. Or maybe, maybe everything is going good for you. And you're on the other side of the spectrum this morning. 
And all your Christmas plans are working out perfectly. Everything is coming together. The tree is up. Lots of presents underneath the tree. Work is going good. Bills are paid. Family is coming over. And it's going to be good. Can I encourage you? If that's where you're living at this moment, then look past the circumstances of Christmas and realize that Jesus offers a joy that spans eternity. A joy that will be there when the family is gone, when the presents aren't underneath the tree anymore. In fact, when the tree is not in the house anymore, Jesus is still there. And he loves you, and he wants to walk with you. So whatever side you're on, I want to encourage you. Joy is found in Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up to the front. They're going to lead us in singing our closing number.